Praise God. Let's go turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 14. Good to see our mother and daughter sing together. Amen. Thank God. Amen. I've never sung with my children. Yeah, I think I have once and um, never requested again, so I didn't sing again. Amen. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Uh, I'm going to preach a topic that probably I would not preach on unless I was going verse by verse. But after studying this for several hours and days, uh, I have been convicted. And I haven't been converted, but I've been convicted. I'm still saved. But um, on the importance of the Lord's Supper. The importance of the Lord's Supper. When you get baptized, uh, when you get saved, you ought to get baptized. That's once. Don't get baptized 17 times. But you ought to take the Lord's Supper every chance you get. Now, the Church of Christ, they, they do it every Sunday. I, I think they'd get old after a while, but we do it every month. And uh, we, when we do it, it's not how often you do it, it's why you do it, how you do it, and what you feel and what you say in your heart when you do it. And that's you worship the Lord and thankful for His body and His blood that saved your soul at Calvary's cross. Amen? And so let's stand on the Word of God. And I appreciate all of you family members being here to honor your loved ones. And uh, I believe it was an honor and it's a lasting honor. And these children were so excited about getting that Bible. Amen. And uh, you pray for them. Pray for each one of them by name that God would use them in a special way. Most of them just got saved and they need to grow. And it's the first day of the unleavened bread, verse 12, Mark 14. You with me? And when they killed the Passover, I'll explain all that in a minute. His disciples said to him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sent forth two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and there shall you meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And whithersoever, wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good men of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared, there make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came to the city, found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And in the evening it was coming with, he came with the twelve, and as they said and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to sor- be sorrowful, and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? Another said, Is it I? And he answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. And the Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that he, this man, that man, if he had never been born. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave to them and said, Take, eat. This is my body. This is the first time that's ever been said at at the Last Supper, the Passover. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said unto them, and they all drank of it. He gave to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drank it new in the kingdom of God. One more verse. And when they had sung a hymn, we always do that after the Lord's Supper, don't we? They went out into the Mount of Olives. 
You may be seated as I pray and as I preach on the Last Supper. Father, thank you for this portion of Scripture. It's convicted my heart of the importance of, the, of worship, but also convicted my heart of the importance of gratitude for Calvary. For eternal salvation, for your body that was offered as a sin substitute, the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, and your blood, unblemished, perfect blood from the Father in heaven, was offered as our divine payment, God, for your sin that we could never pay for. So, Lord, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the Lamb. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for salvation. I think I'm going to heaven instead of hell. Lord, that's a blessing. Lord, please speak to our hearts about being more grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Last Supper is important. I had a lot of uh, episodes where people on death road and what they requested. Some uh, requested two gallons of uh, chocolate mint ice cream. Others, lasagna. I decided not to go over all that because it doesn't do its justice. But this Last Supper is special. And this, this supper is called the Passover, and the Lord changed everything. I love it when the Lord just uses pictures, because I'm sort of independent, but I'm also elementary, and I need some pictures. And the Lord's Supper is a great picture of what Jesus did for you. And I believe sometimes we go through the motions. Several years back, I changed it from the last of the service to the middle of the service, because I felt like, some Baptists were ready to leave and go to Shoney's instead of doing the Lord's Supper like it ought to. And, but tonight, I'm going to be preaching on it first. We might not even have a song service. And then we're going to have the Lord's Supper at the end of the service. Then we'll go out and be grateful for Calvary, I hope, more than ever. But I want you to see the purpose for the Last Supper, the purpose for this preparation of this Last Supper. Verse 12, it says, In the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said to them, where wilt that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? Now, I'm going to do a lot of teaching this morning. I hope it don't bore you because the Word of God shouldn't bore you even teaching it. But I want to tell you something. There was a purpose in the preparation. It was held on the 14th day of the month of Nisan, which is to our Jewish calendar around, our calendar would be about April, about April 14th. And this Passover was a feast designed to commemorate the night God passed over Israel, when the death angel was destroying all the firstborn of Egypt, it was the last plague, y'all know it, y'all remember it, Exodus chapter 12, we'll be there in just a minute. And the Passover is called the Feast of the Unleavened Bread because no yeast or leavened bread was used or even kept in the house during the day of that feast. I believe also that it's unleavened juice. I don't believe that we'd ever use wine, real fermented wine in a Lord's Supper like Lutherans do and other some congregations do, because I believe that's a bad picture because, folks, anything that's fermented is not unleavened. It's unleavened bread. It's unleavened juice. Amen. It's the fruit of the vine. But the fruit of the vine comes from crushing, and our Lord was crushed at Calvary for your sins, for your freedom, for you to go to heaven instead of hell. And, folks, that ought to break out a smile on some Baptist right there. Amen. That you're going to heaven and not hell. And so, folks, I want you to turn back to understand this preparation and why these um, uh, men wanted to go to town and have the Passover. It was just something that they all did and they all believed in. But I want you to go back to Exodus chapter 12 real quick. 
And I won't be long because I'm only going to preach half of this message and all God's people said, thank God, you're only going to preach half of it. I'm going to preach half of it this morning, half of it tonight because I know every one of you coming back to take the Lord's Supper. Amen. How long has it been? About a month for some of you, a year for some others. But you ought to take the Lord's Supper tonight. You ought to. It'll be a blessing. It's just as important as baptism. Yes, sir. Lord's Supper. Talk about that in just a minute. Look at Exodus 12, verses uh, 1 through 11, talks about what they did. They would choose a lamb. Look at verse uh, 1. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, The month shall be upon you the beginning of the month. It shall be the first month of the year to you. That's April for us. Speak ye to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month they shall take unto them every man a lamb according to the house of the father, a lamb for a house. And so they gave that lamb ten, four days from the tenth to the fourteenth so they get real attached to that lamb. That's a, that's, that's a lesson the Lord wanted to teach them that folks' judgment hurts. And folks, at Calvary hurt. But folks, he took your hell for you. And folks, he took your place and it, it ought to be a blessing to know that you don't have to earn your salvation. But look at verse uh, 3 through 6. The, verse 4 says, In the household uh, be too little, little for the lamb, and too poor. Let him and his neighbor next to him, his house, take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make you account for the lamb. And look at verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Aren't you glad that salvation is personal and you don't get saved for somebody else, amen? You don't pray somebody out of purgatory and you definitely don't go to the Lord's Supper and the bread turn into his body and that saves you, dear Catholic friend. The Lord's Supper is a symbol. The Lord's Supper never saves you. The Lord's Supper proves that you are saved when you are gratefully taking it. Say amen right there. But look at verse 12. Your lamb shall be without blemish. And the male in the first year, and you shall take it upon uh, out of the sheep, show, uh, sheep, sheep uh, from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly and the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Got to attach that little lamb, perfect, no blemishes, and then on the 14th day of April, kill it. And look at verse 7. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts, on the upper po uh, door post of the house, wherein they shall eat it. They shall eat the flesh in that night, uh, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with the bitter herbs they shall eat it. Now look at verse um, 9. Eat not of the raw, nor the sodden, nor all the water, but roast it with, with his head and with his legs and with his, with his uh, pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, that which remaineth it until the morning he shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in the haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now that's the first observance of the Passover. Folks, here it is. They chose a lamb. Folks, they killed that lamb. I want to say this. The Lamb of God died for your sins. He didn't swoon and come alive in a cool tomb. I'm going to tell you something. He died and he was buried. And three days later, up from the grave he arose. Amen. And that ought to get you excited and that ought to get you appreciative. Folks, when you take the Lord's Supper, that you don't mourn but you rejoice that you're saved, saved, saved. Then he takes the blood of the lamb and puts it on the doorpost of the house. 
Let me just say this, friend. There's a perfect picture. When the death angel comes in your life, you better have the blood applied. Church religion will not get you in heaven. Being a Baptist will not get you in heaven. There's a lot of lost Baptists. Folks, the only thing that's going to count is the blood been applied to your soul. And are you saved and under the blood? Thank God I was going to have the youth. I was going to call them all up here and let them sing that song uh, about under the blood. And, uh, and uh, I, I, I decided I wouldn't just spring it on them, maybe tonight. But I want you to know this, friend. We, they chose a lamb. They chose a lamb, and they put the blood on the door. And then they roasted it with fire. That speaks of judgment. And they, and they had bitter herbs. That, that, that uh, uh, depicts what they've been through, the bondage of sin, the bondage of Egypt. It was bitter. But thank God, the unleavened bread, that's the perfect lamb of God. And the shoes on, verse 11 and 12, uh, folks walking with, uh, eating that with the walking sticks in their hand. And folks, as if they were in a hurry. And they were in a hurry because soon they'd be leaving that place and be set free. Now, folks, all that, uh, the ceremonial washing of the hands symbolizes we ought to be right with God before we take the Lord's Supper. Definitely ought to be saved. The bitter herbs, the bondage of Egypt that we've been uh, delivered from. And then Psalms 115 through Psalms 118 was sung during this Passover. The Passover meal uh, was a wonderful picture of one thing, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life, born in the bread of life uh, town called Bethlehem, which meant the bread of life, became the bread for you and brought your salvation for you. And the Passover meal is a wonderful picture of that. The lamb is Jesus, verse 4. Your lamb, that's personal salvation, verse 5 of Exodus chapter 12. And folks, to keep that lamb uh, four days from the 10th to the 14th tells you that it costs something. They got attached to that little lamb. Uh, The other day I had to uh, put Milo down and and, uh, me and Connie were trying to be strong because the doctor happens to be a member of our church. He's on vacation. He'll be here Tuesday. I checked on him. And uh, he was so kind and so considerate. And, and, uh, and uh, Connie started tearing up over Milo. Now, I was tough. I didn't even, I didn't even like, like it bothered me. I better stop lying in the pulpit. Amen. But anyway, uh, I was broken hard over my dog dying. Amen. You know, he laying there on the floor, couldn't walk. And, uh, you know, and, and folks, listen, they got attached this little lamb four days. And folks, this attachment would develop between the family and the little lamb was intentional. Every detail of the Passover is intentional. It's for a purpose. And folks, I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ is just not a Savior among many. He is the Savior. He's not just a lamb. He is the lamb of God. Folks, he's not just a way. He's the way. He's not just a truth. He's the truth. He's not just a lamb. Life, he is the life. Amen. Folks, there's only one way to heaven, and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God, when we take the Lord's Supper, we're pointing to the blood, and we're we're pointing to the Lamb, the bread of life, that was broken and crushed for us and took our place for us. And we ought to rejoice every time we take the Lord's Supper because we're saved by the grace of God. It's a picture of perfection and purity without blemish. This Lamb speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to turn in your Bibles to one of the greatest verses on salvation in the Bible, not John 3, 16, that's a good one, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
verse 21. You with me? Say amen. Don't you love to study the Word of God? I do. I love it. You'll hear a Bible preacher Tuesday night, I promise you. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Now here's the key I want to give you. Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, he took your sin debt, and praise God, you take his nature. It's called a divine nature. What an exchange. I used to say, what is a deal? What a deal, but it's more than a deal. Let me just say it this way, what a gift. That God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Say amen right there. 1 Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse 22, let me give you that one. 1 Peter 2, 22, the Bible says this, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He never even said a sinful word. You ever had one slip on you? You ever had some griping and complaining come out? You ever had some bitter uh, derogatory remarks come out? The Lord never did. When they crucified him, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have called one and wiped out that little crowd. But he just called on the Father to forgive them. That's our Lord. The lamb was to be slain and his blood applied to the doorpost. Exodus chapter 12, verse 7, 22 through 23. The family was together inside the house, eat the meal, called the Passover. And when the death angel passed through the land to kill all the firstborn children, those that were under the blood, those that uh, had the blood applied, those that believed in the blood that would be shed would not die but live. Folks, it's not by corruptible things as silver and gold or tradition of men or religion. It's by the precious blood of the Lamb. When I preached Miss uh, Birdie's funeral, I had one word on my heart, precious. Amen, Brother Anthony? Precious. She was a precious mama. And folks, precious means there's nobody like her. Precious means there's nothing like it. Folks, precious blood in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 means there's no blood like that blood. There's no salvation like our salvation that we receive. And folks, the judgment of God was upon us, but God commended his love towards us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. I like verse 9. It says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. I want you to emphasize those last two words, through him. It's not through you. It's definitely not through me. It's not through some pope, some Mary, some potentate, some cardinal, some eagle, or some anything, amen? It's God, amen? We're worshiping God this morning, amen? It's not through religion. It's through the pure blood of Jesus that we're saved. That fire was a picture of judgment. God took your judgment. God took the fire. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 is another great verse that says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Listen to this. Being made a curse for us. Jesus being a curse for us. Listen now. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That was a malefactor uh, execution. Of, of sin. It was, the, it was the execution block, the cross. And Jesus took your curse and set you free. You take the Lord's Supper, you take that little juice, 
Don't be fooling around, fiddling around, imagining around, thinking around. Look to Calvary. Think about the day you got saved. I was a son of a drunk, 11 and a half years old, had nothing to offer anyone. Sitting on the fifth row back in the middle section of that little church. Jesus saved me. Never thought he'd call me to preach. I, didn't, I was so shy I didn't speak to my sister, much less speak in public this many people. But folks, listen. He took my curse. He took my sin debt. He took my place. He offered me a gift that I could not resist. Yes, I could resist. I could live in my sin and die and go to hell. But I trusted the Lord as my Savior and I appropriated my lamb, my salvation. And folks, it's meaningless unless you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever. I love the words whosoever, Brother Benson. It's all through the Word of God that you take all over the world, and publish all over the world. Whosoever means whosoever, say amen. Not whosoever's educated, whosoever's intelligent. That would left me out. I was educated, but I wasn't highly educated because I didn't apply myself. But I'll tell you what, friend, the wisest decision I ever made in my life was the day I trusted the Lord as my Savior and didn't trust my works, my religion, or my rituals. Amen. Folks, there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. And not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. Lest we would get to heaven and brag about it. Folks, listen. Let me just give you this in closing. And remind you that the reason the Passover is so important is because the Lord changed everything on this day. I'm going to give you some of the things that he was supposed to say according to Jewish tradition. He changed it. He said, this is my body. Hey, I'm, 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 this bread's my body. That juice is my blood. Those disciples, it must have blew their little old minds. A lot of things blew their little old minds like it blows our minds. He says, what is he saying? He's not giving the traditional Jewish words here. He's saying, this is my body. This is my blood? What is he saying? He was saying, boys, I'm about to go to Calvary. And I'm about to shed my blood for you. I'm about to give my body as a <clears throat> sacrificial lamb, just as sacrificial as all those lambs that's been slain over the years that's pointed to me. And you better receive it. And you better know him. Folks, you don't, if you don't know Jesus, your Savior, you will be faced God's fiery judgment. You're saved by grace, you'll never face the awful wrath of God. His blood has forever turned away the wrath of God on you that have believed. I wasn't going to read these verses, but I'm not going to rush this morning. I'm just not going to rush. I refuse to rush. Brother Joe Arthur said, did I preach too long? I said, you're asking the wrong person if you preach too long. Amen. Be the biggest hypocrite in here. Yeah, you preach too long. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 through 18. Y'all got time for this? Thank you. Look at, look at, I was going to read it anyway. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 through 18. Look at it. Look at it. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. This Passover can't, this Lord's Supper can't take away your sin. It's what it represents. Look at verse 12. 
But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wherefore, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he has said before, this is the covenant. He said before, he said it at this Lord's Supper for the first time, the Last Supper. For this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. <clears throat> and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Amen. Amen. That ought to make a Episcopalian shout. Look at verse 18. It says, Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Amen. There's no more offering. We're not, we're not, it, it, he said teletasia, Latin equivalent consummatum. It meant it is finished. And that was what's stamped on every bill in the Bible day. Paid in full. Amen. On the cross, he said, John 19:30, it is finished. <clears throat> he did not say, I am finished. He didn't say uh, anything about the work being finished, but he just, I mean, the, uh, that he was finished. He just said the work's finished. It's done, paid in full. I want to remind you, there's no salvation apart from the shed blood of Calvary. Right. Hebrews 9, 22 says there's no remission of sin except the shedding of the blood. You may not like the blood. It might be a bloody religion to you, but I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, trying to give you a lot of scripture this morning. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through the blood. I like that. I'm redeemed. I'm set free as the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. I'm set free from the bondage of the devil. I'm set free from the bondage of sin. I'm set free from the bondage of this world. I'm free. Amen. I'm free as I can be. I'm not only a free American, I'm a free Christian, say amen. I love the national anthem. You better not be bowing in protest around me. I might kick your proverbial rear if you do, amen. Come on, shake your head if you want to. It just ticks me off. But I'll tell you this, friend, I have a greater allegiance, and that greater allegiance is the cross. And I believe we ought to honor his word. And I believe we ought to take the Lord's Supper as often as we do. Do it in remembrance of Him, in honor and allegiance, and proudly, excitingly, gratefully say, Lord, I worship you. Amen. See, when you take the Lord's Supper, what you're really just saying is, thank you. Thank you. Some people can't get the grace enough to come back on Sunday night to say thank you. And I don't know why God's so patient with us. I don't know why He's so patient with me. Because I'm not as thankful as I ought to be. Amen. Come on. What about your thought life during the week? Do you think about him often? Or you got all these things on your mind? That's why you're so worried and depressed. Are you, uh, have you got things on your mind that won't make a bit of difference? You know, some people, when the Braves lose, they mourn for three days. Some of you Georgia Bulldogs, you lose the national championship, and you, you, you mourn for a month. Get off of it, Scott. I mean, get off of it, everybody else. Amen. I didn't mean to name names right there, but, you know, hey, listen, there's more important things, say amen. I know who I root for, but listen, there's more important than sports. There's more important than finances. There's more important than you. There's more important 
things and fun. It's called salvation. There's no salvation apart from the shedding of the blood. And the Bible says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Folks, there's no grace unless there's blood. And there's no grace unless there's Calvary. And there's no grace unless there is the Lamb of God in your life. And so when the death angel is about to pass by, and you don't know when it is, and I'm going to tell you something, all the people that's dying lately of cancer, it's got me wondering. It's got me thinking. You know what I'm thinking? My wife can't get me to go to the doctor. But I'm thinking, maybe I don't have long. I'm not trying to be a pessimist. You know, I'm 68 going on 100. But I'll tell you this, friend. I know when I die, don't mourn for me as others that have no hope. I'll be in heaven. But I won't be in heaven because of a ladder. I'll be in heaven because of the cross. And folks, if you think I'm going to skip tonight and not fall on my knees and take the Lord's Supper, you got another thought coming. I'm looking forward to it every minute. I'm going to explain it, I hope, better than I've ever explained it through the Word of God tonight, what we're doing, why we're doing it. But folks, listen, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can reconcile us as lost sinners to a holy God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. I hope this is not too many scriptures for you. I don't think you can get enough scripture. It says, but now in Christ Jesus you were sometimes were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ. You were far off. You weren't far out. You was far off. Matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 2 says you were dead in your sins and trespasses. And because of the blood, because of the death, and because of the burial, and because of the resurrection, you're alive. You brought nigh to God, yes, but I'm going to tell you something. You brought to life. You passed from death unto life. So, friend, are you, are you grateful to be alive? Come on. The doctor saved your life with bypass surgery like you did, Brother Butch. He's hoping to be here tonight. And he said, hey, would you come see me? Hey, I'm having a little reunion of all the ones I've done the bypass surgery for, and we're going to have a little meal. Would you come to the meal? I guarantee you'd drag yourself up to Erlanger, and you'd have that banquet with Brother Stubblefield or whoever you operated on your heart. I'm going to tell you something, friend. God did more than save your physical life. God did more than just save your heart. God saved your soul. You're going to heaven. You're going to heaven and not hell. You're going to live forever with your loved ones. You're going to be in heaven forever. And he says, come worship me. Take this bread. Take this juice. Because that's what I did for you. Well, I got plans. I got, hey, listen, why don't you rearrange your plans? Why don't you do what you do on Sunday night, Saturday night? Well, I don't like that. Hey, I'm not here. I'm not running for any office. I'm preaching the Word of God. Amen. And folks, I want to tell you something. God Almighty deserves priority. Amen. He deserves passion. He deserves your body, your soul, your mind, because if it wasn't for Christ, You'd be dead spiritually.
maybe physically, some of you. Folks, we're drawn nigh by the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I see also not only the preparation, but I see the plan. Verse 13 through 16, the Bible says, And he sent forth two of his disciples and said to them, Go ye into the city, there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever ye shall go, say ye to the goodman of the house, the owner of the house, the master saith, where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? Mark chapter 14, verse 15. And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare there, make ready for us. And the disciples went forth, came to the city, found as he had, had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. The plan was God knew. Folks, I just want to I just wanted to give you this great news. God knows. God knows. God knows where you're at right now. I want to tell you something, folks. That's a fearful thought. God knows. So he knows what you was doing last night. He knew what you did Friday night. He, knew, he, knew what, he knows what you do when you go out of town. He knows in the privacy of your home after 12 o'clock what you watch. He knows everything. And that ought to make you fear God. ought to make you repent. ought to make you get right with God because God knows. Brother Wayne don't know, but God knows. Mama might not know, but God knows. But on the positive side of that, God knows where you're at when you're hurting. God knows what you need. God knows your burden. God knows that situation that you probably dug yourself in. Or maybe it just came because of other people digging you in. God knows. You know what God knows? That God cares. God cares about your marriage. God cares about your children a lot more than you care about your children, mama. I've never seen a mama that didn't care for their children as right with God. Say amen. Mamas love something else. Some of you children ought not take her for granted. You ought to hug her and love her and honor her. But more important than honoring mama, you ought to honor God. Because if it wasn't for God, your mama would probably not be a good mama. Come on. I'm preaching now. The Lord's omniscient. He knows. He knows. The Passover, he knew exactly where to go. He knew the man would be carrying a pitcher of water, which was unheard of. Because no man carried pitchers of water back then. It was the women. The women, Hey, listen, the women are like slaves back then. They were like servants. And all you women liberals think that uh, Jesus is not for you. Read the book of Galatians. He brought women to a new standard. Equal with man. Amen. I know men ought to be the leaders. But praise God, you're not no second class saint because you're a woman. Or a servant. Except to God. So he announced something at this. I see not only... Uh, the preparation and the plan, but I see the problem. Verse 17, look at this. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve, and he sat and, he sat and did eat. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. Judas was to the right. John was to the left. John was laying on his heart. On his, he could hear the heartbeat. He could, 
feel the holy breath of God while they were eating. They kind of laid down uh, in those days. So I don't feel bad when I recline in my lazy boy and ask my wife to bring me a tomato and bacon sandwich. I don't feel bad. I think it's scriptural. I think it's a scriptural position, amen, watching the Georgia Bulldogs while I eat bacon. To, oh, man. Hot dogs and hamburger. It's scriptural, amen. But anyway, but I want to say this. They were laying down enjoying this meal, and he said, one of you is going to betray me. And he said, the one that I dipped the sop of the bread into with is going to be him. He was such a good hypocrite that they said, is it I? Is it I? I mean, they all thought, is it me? See, you don't really know your heart. God knows your heart. Well, if I know my heart, I don't feel condemned. Listen, you don't know your heart. It's wicked, deceitfully. Who can know what the Bible says? But God knows your heart. You better be glad God knows your heart. And my question is, has God cleansed your heart? Has God got his heart in your hands? Is your heart in his life? What's your heart? I'll tell you what your heart is, what you think about and invest the most in. What you give your time to. That's your God. Whatever you put before God's your God. Amen. Little G, that's your God. Stop doing that because nobody saved your soul like Jesus saved your soul. Nobody's given you heaven like Jesus given you heaven. And nobody died and was buried for you except Jesus. Jesus deserves the preeminence. Jesus deserves the worship. Jesus deserves the loyalty. Amen. I'll amen my own point there. And so, folks, we see Judas was close physically, but he wasn't close spiritually. And I want to tell you something. In verse 21, I'll close with this because my time's up because you only give me about 45 minutes because your attention span gone with the wind after about 45 minutes I understand so I'm not going to preach to myself I'm going to preach to you and I'm going to close first close look at it verse 21 in closing it says and the son of man indeed goeth as is written of him but woe to that man whom the son of man is betrayed he's saying woe Judas woe hey, he loved Judas so much that was a sign of respect taking the sop of bread. Judas could have got saved. I'm convinced of it. But he didn't. And he said this, Good were it for that man if he had never been born. He looked at Judas and said, It had been better you'd never been born. If you're not going to be born again, it's best you didn't get born. Heaven is a place of rejoicing, dear loved ones. Heaven's a place of reunion. Heaven's a place of reward. Heaven's a place of relief. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, it's a far better place. Revelation 21, 4 says, there'll be no more pain. Isn't that great? Your loved ones are not suffering. There'll be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death, for the former things are passed away, and God shall wipe away the tears. Heaven's going to be a place of joy, unspeakable. Bliss, peace, encouragement, fellowship. Could I even say fun? I think it's going to be fun to be in heaven. <laughs> Amen. It's going to be a place of smiles and relief and joy and peace. But hell, 
The Bible says hell's a place of punishment. Meant for the devil and his angels, Matthew 25, 41. Hell's a place of fire, Luke chapter 16, verse 24. The rich man lifted up his eyes in torment. Hell's a place of pain. And he prayed that somebody come send one drop of water, one drop of water, even a leprous uh, man would take a, a drop off his fingertip and drop it on his tongue. Hell's going to be a place of the wrath of God, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. It's going to be a place of frustration and anger, Matthew 13, verse 32. Hell's going to be a place of eternal separation from God. See, God came to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ. God came to this earth so you wouldn't be separated, so you'd be with Him forever. He gave up the splendor and glory of heaven for you to miss hell and folks hell is going to be a place you don't want to go you don't want to go there I burned my finger I complained for three days amen I get a paper cut on the end of my finger I said oh God, I'm suffering Kelly says what's wrong I said, I got a paper cut uh, honey get the neosporin with the, with, the, with the numbing stuff amen oh, give me two band-aids I'm a baby. When it comes to that, my wife just waits on you know, you know. Great. Amen. Good wives ought to do that. But what I'm saying is I can't take pain. How about you? And I'll say this. It rings a bell. God help us. God help us to get a little foretaste of hell before we get there and you won't go there. If you could just look into the pits of hell for one second you would say, I'm not going to go there for nobody's pride, nobody's money, nobody's world's atonement, nobody's uh, 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 embarrassment. I'm going to heaven no matter what it takes. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, I close. Second closing. And I really do close. It says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Amen. And so folks, one day you're going to bow. You ought to bow now or you're going to bow later. You can bow now and get saved and one day bow before him in heaven. Can you imagine the worship service? I mean, Tuesday night was scintillating. Tuesday night was exciting. There was an atmosphere of love and joy and peace and powerful preaching and great singing. Never heard the Morrison sisters sing so good. But folks, that's nothing compared to heaven. Nothing. Nothing. We can't have a service down here like we're going to have up there. Praise God. Praise God. In heaven, we'll bow. But the Bible says every knee shall bow. And Revelation chapter 20 talks about the great white throne judgment where everybody's going to be pulled out of Hades, the waiting room of hell, and bow before him. And he's going to say, I never knew you. And he cast them into the eternal fires of hell so it's bow now and bow later bow to him as savior or one day bow to him as judge now what makes the difference as you did eat Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave it to them and said take eat this is my body and he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they all drank it and he said to them this is, this is my blood of the new testament covenant is shed 
What made the difference was the lamb offered. What made the difference was the blood offered. And what makes a difference is when you receive it. And then after you get saved, you have the courtesy and the thankfulness to come to church and worship. Especially during the Lord's Supper. And not make it a ritual. Not make it a religious activity. But make it all about your relationship. He's my Lord. I remember the day I got saved. I'm going to heaven. My daddy's already there. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, God, for giving your life. Tonight I'll explain what we do during the Lord's Supper and why and how you ought to take it and study in verses 22 through 26. Let's pray. Father, it's been longer than usual. But Lord, I believe I started a little later than usual because the Bible is worth giving out. Amen. And these little children, the greatest textbooks they'll ever have is the little Bible they walk out with. So, Lord, thank you for the break in schedule. Thank you for the delay over time because we know who won. And that's those that trust the Bible and trust the God of the Bible. So, Lord, tonight as we come back and take the Lord's Supper, may we do it with what you said, the new covenant in mind. Lord, the blood, the body, May we say, thank you, Lord, and you're more important to me than anything or anyone else.